0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. No investigation necessary. Welcome to VEASAN's F1 betting podcast. It's lights out, away we go, go, go. Oh, checker is a legend. Absolute animal. The only F1 handicap you'll ever need. Mike, this isn't right.
2: But the championship can only be won.
0: Here are your hosts, F1 Technical Analyst, Mikhail Miranda, and betting expert, Ben Wilson.
3: Hey everybody, it's a race week and we welcome you back in another edition of the VEASAN Formula 1 Betting Podcast. Yeah, I know, it's March Madness, there's a lot of basketball to bet, but uh, Mikhail Miranda has been <laughs> sequestered in his basement looking at uh, data and driving results over the last couple of weeks, trying to crunch the numbers, figure out where the value is for race number two as we go to Jeddah, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Uh, Mikhail is here. I'm Ben Wilson. Yes, Mikhail, I'm excited for March Madness, but I'm also excited to, uh, after a ridiculous week of watching college basketball, wake up very, very early on Sunday here in Vegas and uh, see how our bets all work out. So uh, what were your, what your big, we did our in-between episode. We're going to do one of those every time we have a weak gap between races. So check that out out in our podcast feed if you missed it. We already broke down how the updated futures market looks after race number one of 23 for both the Drivers and Constructors Championships. But uh, what are you most looking forward to here, Mikhail, in race two now that we've seen one race for all these teams and drivers to uh, put their stuff on display?
2: The main thing that I'm actually looking forward to is uh, the way drivers, especially rookie drivers, sort of navigate themselves around the circuit. Last season, we saw Mick Schumacher take a heavy shunt and actually not participate in the race. So we have Nick DeVries again coming as a rookie, uh, Logan Sargent and the Williams. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the rookies actually, now it comes like, all right, this is a new track. You've been here maybe for less than a week or so. How can you adapt yourself to this track? And, Also, it's going to be about watching teams on how they move forward because, as we said, preseason testing was uh, a lot of teams were hiding stuff. We saw some of the things that we could get out from pre-season testing that did sort of carry over into the Bahrain Grand Prix, but now we're here at the Jeddah Cornish Circuit for the Saudi Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. So we just have got to be able to look at, how our teams and drivers going to acclimate themselves to this track because now it's no longer a rough surface that Bahrain had. It's a little bit more free-flowing, but it's also really fast with a nice banked corner. So you're just going to have to uh, watch how drivers sort of navigate themselves, especially around the tight. It's very hard to overtake here. So it's going to be very interesting to see racing-wise who sort of comes out on top.
3: And so that means qualifying will be a very, very... Added, big added emphasis for this week. By the way, the three uh, rookies from last week, nobody finished in the points, but Logan Sargent had a very good debut. The American for Williams takes 12th, Nick DeVries 14th in the AlphaTauri and Oscar Piastri and McLaren. It was all sorts of uh, chaos for McLaren last week. He was the first to retire uh, in the race. And yeah, last year at this race, only 18 drivers even started because of that crazy Schumacher crash, which was just documented in uh, Drive to Survive. I did finally finish, Mikhail, by the way, been a crazy stretch, but I did finish finish and uh, yeah so Schumacher had the huge crash and then Yuki Sonoda had all sorts of it like electrical issues if I remember correct last year he he, he didn't even post a an official time in qualifying and then his car didn't even make it to the start of the race so we only had 14 drivers finish last year there was a lot of chaos is that in general Mikhail, just going back past last year's data from this track is this one of those tracks where you tend to see more chaos more crashes more issues with some of the less experienced drivers
2: unfortunately this track is just so fast and the corners are so tight that you've just you've got to be able to get that reaction time down. The faster your reaction time, the more you're able to push the car to its limit here, this track. But if you lose focus uh, even one bit, or you turn in just a millisecond late, you could hit the wall. Because we saw Max Verstappen back in 2021 where he was going for the fastest lap for qualifying and just tapped the wall and his tires were gone. And he, and he was purple through sector one and sector two And in sector three he just lost it because and he is two-time world champion. So this track is even technical for the best of the best.
3: No doubt. Remember last year, it was actually Sergio Perez, Verstappen's teammate, who was on pole. Ferrari were two-three. Verstappen started fourth, and it didn't matter. Verstappen won the race. That was the <laughs> one of the first races last year where Mercedes issues were extremely on display. Lewis Hamilton didn't even make it out of the uh, the first sector of qualifying and ended up having to battle just to barely get in the points last year. And that was I remember the first time last year where we went, "Oh, something might be amiss with old <laughs> Mercedes." So uh, Verstappen is your defending champ, but it was a a double podium last year for Ferrari. They're trying to bounce back as Red Bull get the 1-2 start to begin the 2023 season with Fernando Alonso rounding out the podium last week for Aston Martin. So uh, a lot to break down with this week, but as we kind of touched on, Mikhail in our In Between Race podcast episode, looking at the futures... It's going to be tough now to find value just in the outright winner's market for these races. I mean, Verstappen pre qualifying is minus 225. Perez, teammate, 6 to 1. Leclerc at 8 to 1. And Alonso, 9 to 1. After Carlos Sainz, who's 16 to 1, nobody else is even inside a 20 to 1. And it's hard for me. I don't know how you feel on this, Mikhail. It's hard for me to sit here and say, yeah, it seems like value throwing some money on one of these 6 to 1 or longer shots.
2: Unfortunately, I think that the bookmakers may have done way too much uh, overcorrecting here. Yes, Max Verstappen and Red Bull are absolutely dominant, but minus T25 for a race winner, uh, I I think that's way too much of an overcorrection. Yes, we saw Red Bull dominate Bahrain, but can they keep up their dominance? Are are they saying that we're no longer going to see any more dogfighting, especially from Charles Leclerc? or even Fernando Alonso, who's doing phenomenal, right? Uh, these teams, so they have the cars to take the fight to Max Verstappen. They just got caught up with the fight behind them and defending. And Max is like, you guys do, do your defending. I'm up ahead. I'm just going to go. So while these other drivers are defending, Max just seems to have clean air. They can sort of just go uh, free-willy style, right? So it's uh, to me, it's a bit of an overcorrection. And anyways, as you know... I don't really like to bet the race winner because that's always up in the air. I like to take bets a little bit more on the front side that I do have a bit more understanding of, like bets such as uh, fastest qualifying or top 10, top 6 uh, and podium finishes because we have a lot more data to sort of analyze and mess around with that. So uh, we should just talk about qualifying. Uh, and I'm seeing right now one of the odds on DraftKings is a qualifying winning car. They have Red Bull at minus 140 and then Ferrari at plus 165. Uh, I think the bookmakers here at Draftings are actually sort of missing something. Charles Leclerc in the Bahrain Grand Prix did not go out for another fastest lap during qualifying, if if you recall that. I'm pretty sure that if Charles did go out there... He would have been on pull. That car is really good with one lap pace. It's just the conversion rate to finishers that is a, like the downfall. But if I go back to last year, Sergio Perez took pole and Charles Leclerc second just by two tenths, uh, sorry, two hundredths of a second. That's a very, very small margin, which I think, and I'm pretty sure watching Ferrari. There, they can actually cover that two of a second right so looking at this Ferrari to be the qualifying winning car at plus 165 there is good value right there that's that's that, that pops up to my eyes right there so it's just a matter of like looking and scouring all of the odds that is sort of available to you and saying which one has a value which one do you trust more which one do you we have more information on and qualifying is one where we always have a lot of information on that we can actually just go and sort of mess around and find out and so i love that plus 165 for ferrari to actually go and take pole
3: that's great. No, and the thing I was you know, the thing that stood out to me from watching Leclerc was he was Ferrari looked really fast in race 1. Leclerc was well on his way to being on the podium. That was whether Perez would have passed him for second, that was sort of up for grabs in the final few laps, but then the car goes, nothing Leclerc could have done about it. It's a huge week too for Ferrari after you know what what happened last week with zero points overall for Leclerc despite the great start with the engine issues and then signs falling out of the podium into fourth and I I couldn't help but look at that those podium odds right now and see uh where you have Leclerc and it's again what you're saying about how hard it is to overtake meaning qualifying pace and speed there is so important here in Saudi Arabia where you have Leclerc now down to minus 105 at DraftKings just to get on the podium he and Alonso now are joint third favorites. They're each minus one hundred five. Verstappen minus four fifty. Perez minus two twenty five. Uh, pretty tasty number, no? On Leclerc for podium finish at this point.
2: Uh, minus one hundred five does look pretty good, but again, uh, Charles had to take a new control electronics for the first race of the season. I don't trust the reliability of Ferrari. I. I I know there's what a What makes lot you of say doubt. that, Mikhail? <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that is that they just took new parts for the first race of the season. And Fred Vasseur, Ferrari, they're coming up and saying, yeah, that's not something we expected. Uh, what's the point of pre-season testing if that's not what you expected? What's the point of doing all your testing in the dyno? Come on, guys. Like, you can't. This is, uh, this is messing with... The sport, it's messing with the best as well. But if you do want a little bit of value and you like Charles Leclerc, look at the fastest qualifying for Charles Leclerc, plus 190. If you like Red Bull and you like Max Verstappen, plus 115. There is still value to be found for those drivers. Like you don't always have to lay the minus money. And we're talking about a podium finish, which is over, uh, I believe, uh, 50 laps. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. I, no, I, don't no think doubt. The, I don't think the car, especially Ferrari, can sustain itself for 50 laps. But over one lap, I do believe that it's quite quick and it, it prances like a way, oh shit, around this corner. Oh, I see. What, really oh, Oh, wow,
3: geez. He's in mid season <laughs> form. I see. What you, you've been waiting for that all. Oh, I knew you were going to pull yep. one of those eventually. Uh, I, was, I was told that. Uh, with the change in team principle, we were done having these Ferrari issues. I was told that by one Mikhail Miranda. <laughs> I might have placed a Leclerc five to one wager to win the drivers' championship. As a result, and apparently those issues have I, not I been took, figured out.
2: No, no, I took a sixteen to one wager on him to be a champion after the Bahrain Grand Prix. The oh. Board gaming out here had yeah. Charles dropped like almost double what you had him at. Right? Uh, I over still do believe. I still do believe that. Charles Leclerc can so can win the drivers construct the drivers championship. Here's why: Fred Vasseur has come in to Ferrari at the right time, placing importance on the right, uh, right downfalls of Ferrari from last season. They have found pace, and Leclerc was riding comfortably in P two till the engine failure. Right, so Ferrari as much as we would like to say reliability is a concern, I believe strongly in Fred Vasseur to actually get that sorted out for the next coming races where I we, we could actually see Ferrari turn up the engines and take the fight more to Max Verstappen. So I still do believe that Charles has the ability to win drivers uh, because for the last couple of seasons, whoever's won the first Grand Prix and who finished second has sort of gone on to win the Drivers. That's been you, the trend you, for the uh, last two, right. three years. Well,
3: you got a better uh, number than uh, than me. That's all I'm saying. I, 16 yes. to 1. So that was an ad for you, Mikhail. 16 to 1, Leclerc to win the Drivers' Championship. At, in we, And we made those uh, Those are in between the first and second races here. So that's the one I was looking at from the podium for Leclerc minus 105. I, I liked what I saw from Ferrari until the last about <laughs> – 20 laps of the race so i i do believe like you do that ferrari will get back into form uh, this week rest of the odds board it is a little annoying if you look look at least at the DraftKings odd and see eight different drivers at minus 200 or better to finish in the top six those are just ridiculous odds um top 10 is a little bit more fairer if we're looking at the actual numbers here what stood out to you mikhail in the top six and top 10 markets this week
2: uh, for a top 10 finish, I'm looking at Valtteri Bartas at so plus 110.
3: After you poo-pooed me on him last week. Now, he was minus 150 last week, so he i give you a minus pass, He 150. Miguel.
2: Here, he's plus 110.
3: I liked him right? last so, week, yeah.
2: Now, I'm, I like the even money, but here's the thing that the odds are telling me, and here's what my information I'm watching Alfa Romeo is telling me, right? That Alfa Romeo is a very well-rounded car as long as you could put downforce on that car. The moment you take away its downforce and make the car faster, right, around the track, it doesn't seem to hold that well. So, yes, we're looking at plus 110 for Valtteri Bottas. And uh, to me, honestly, if you believe in Alfa Romeo, I would say take it. If you're like me, you are aware of what alpha romeo can achieve yet still want to know where they stand after free practice one and two right before qualifying and to take jump on the number there where it may be minus money but you may have a better picture of how alpha mm. romeo's aero package looks so uh, i could lose value by waiting, or i may gain value by waiting. Right, because if I don't jump on this number now and I don't believe that Alpha may have what it takes to get into the top 10, I get value instantaneously because I'm not betting that right there. And if I take it right now, plus 110, I could be oh, okay, they don't look that good. I've just lost money right there. And then I'll be sweating that, please, begging, Valkyrie Boss has to do something to fight for just P10. Where if I wait, uh, that odd might not jump too far. It might go to minus 110, which is still pretty good. It's not that heavy a price. So laying minus 110, maybe even minus 115 at the max is where I will go if Alfa Romeo seems to have that package down and Dirty, ready to go on the track at the jet second.
3: So that is a wait-and-see approach then on one Valtteri Batas, who was eighth last week uh, and and that's the one of the top 10 uh finish markets where he is plus 110 his teammate Z- Guanyu is plus 135 so of the top 10 markets that are really tight couple that stand out to me and you you talked to me out of Pierre Gasly in his debut race for Alpine and it had a horrible qualifying was some you know races his ass off to get uh, get a top 10 points finish ultimately and I'm thinking wow all right it's clear that there's some speed in that car it's just a matter of getting a driver like Gasly new to the team acclimated. Well, he's minus 125 now. Mikhail, are you a believer that after what we saw in the actual race itself, that uh, that is a bet worth making now that he's being priced pretty much into a just, – just slightly over that standard minus 110 juice type bet? Uh, th-
2: that is. I do believe that, that, is, uh, that that's a good price. But if I'm looking at Perry Gasly, knowing that the Jetta circuit does not have that much abrasion on the tires – Right, it's not that heavy in the tires and we might go with a bit softer compounds. I see that Alpine being really quick and just being able to get into the top six. We saw Esteban sort of uh, flirt with the top six uh, in Bahrain. He was there. And Pierre Gasly was not that far off the pace of Esteban Ocon. In my opinion, I think he was faster uh, in sort of race trim. So if, if I'm looking at that, for I'm looking at top six with Pierre Gasly at plus 650. Ooh!
1: Oh, uh, actually, I'm gonna look at the
2: Pierre Gasly. Yeah, plus
3: 650. Yep, you're right on Espan,
2: that. Alcon and Pierre Gasly are both plus 650 and both minus 125. That shows that the bookmakers are all uh, in occurrence. They, they, they do say that, yes, that they both have the same pace, same ability to get that Alpine in the top 10, and they have the ability to get in the top six as well. It's just going to come down to who is faster and who's got a bit more? When I say this. Who's a bit more ballsy at the end? Is Esteban O'Key going to give Pierre that position or not? Because we do know that there is a bit of racing history between them. So I, I do believe that either Esteban or Pierre could get that Alpine. If not, both get into top six.
3: Well, you also have the option to bet uh, double points finish for Alpine at two to one at DraftKings. It's not bad. If you if if what you're saying, Mikhail, and I have I. And I have no reason to doubt you having I mean, two to one for both to finish top 10. I realize that's essentially just a parlay, and then the math comes out around the same. But from what we saw, I, I, I'm probably more inclined, and I don't believe where we're at in Nevada, we don't even have that option of the betting market. So I will not make that bet, but that's a pretty good two to one number. I will be making the Gasly bet, though, at that at laying a short minus money to finish in the points. That was the first one that jumped out to me this week.
2: Yeah, if you want to even sprinkle just a bit of pizza money, as Mitch Moss likes to say, and follow uh-huh. the money uh, on that top six, go right on ahead.
1: Got me. I don't I see. Will. I don't maybe see any harm to be.
2: To be honest, <laughs> like I, I was like skeptical about Pierre Gasly, skeptical about Alpine, but seeing what Esteban Ocon, even though he retired from this race, that car just looked quite pacey. It, it was good to go now. The standard that they set themselves is to be ahead of the midfield. I don't think that they're there yet, but to be top six, to finish fifth and sixth or even to get one of those cars, it just comes down to who do you trust more, Espan Ocon or Pierre Gasly? Given on pure pace, uh, I, I like Espan a little bit more because he has been with Alpine for a couple of years now, so he's been able to build and cultivate a a very good relationship with the engineers to build that car the way he likes it. Pierre Gasly is new in there, but again, Pierre does have a lot of racecraft and awareness, so we could still see him pop pop up into P6. Yeah.
3: That's uh, something I like to hear as somebody who is interested in in betting the Alpine Frenchman this week, and Gasly will be the bet for me. Uh, Before we get to your final betting card, Mikhail, for this race, if you like those guys to potentially push for top six, We know how good Red Bull, Ferrari are projected to be. Fernando Alonso has been off to a flying start for Aston Martin. Who falls out? I kind of get the sense you're down on Mercedes. Am I right on that, entering this race?
2: Uh, To be honest, uh, Mercedes have a very, very long way to go, as we spoke about this in the last episode. And Mercedes in the past uh, week or so have set, that we did not listen to Lewis Hamilton when he told us that the car needed something a bit more to look at this. Uh, and Lewis Hamilton said he's driven enough cars to know exactly when a car looks uh, championship-worthy. And he gave those notes to Mercedes and they did not listen to him. There is no bad blood. Yikes. But Mercedes should have taken that under advisement that he is seven-time champion. They're eight-time champions uh, it might be a little <laughs> bit beneficial to listen <laughs> to your lead driver <laughs> oh, who's God. really experienced. But. You
3: know, we always talk, Mikael, about how like, Toto Wolf is just this generational, amazing, uh, unbelievable, tenured, uh, you know, principal in the chair there. How, like what what are, what is what are they doing how could you how can you completely overlook all the issues that happened last year and just assume it was all going to work out? That's what I don't get as somebody newer to the sport that they didn't just start from scratch and just figured that their extremely flawed car would just work itself out in the offseason. I just don't get that
2: so sometimes it does, but now it comes down to cost cap and CFD running right How much time do they get to test their car in the in the tunnel in the wind tunnel right? They just didn't have enough time and went and last year when they realized that their car wasn't champion worthy, they thought maybe we could take it back to the tunnel and test it a bit more and they sort of came up with some upgrade packages that might work. It just hasn't solved the fundamental mm. issue of the car. It's last year it was porpoising, so they had to increase their ride height. The moment they did that, their car just lost all its pace. And they still have to do that this year. Because uh, p- porpoising is not an issue. Bouncing, you see the car bounce, but it's not porpoising, right? So they thought that since they were able to solve the porpoising issue, that the pace would come back. But then they realized that Red Bull, Ferrari, Aston Martin can run their floors just a tad bit lower to have the sideports designed a little bit differently, to have the airflow around the ball of the car uh, a little bit more efficiently. And Mercedes thought like, you know what, maybe it's time to redesign the concept of our car. And I think it's come just a tad bit too late. So we might see Mercedes sort of pick it up closer to the end of the season. So halfway to the end and maybe next year look like a bit more, on, on par to race against Red Bull, Ferrari, after Martin.
3: I mean, we just it's, started this year, Mikhail. Next year, what? Next year, we did, it's race two of this year. Anyway, it's not what it's, we're it's saying. Take is
2: some time to build that right, car. Right, I totally
3: get what you're saying. Yeah, and and as a result, in the betting markets, Mercedes is a stay away from us uh, for right now. So that leads us into your card, Sir. Give him a follow, by the way, at Mikhail Miranda B. You can find all of his plays that are posted every single week, along with very nice accompanying graphics that Mikhail has uh, handcrafted himself. So Mikhail is the architect behind all those fancy graphics that you see uh, all over on uh, social media. Also, while we have you, make sure you uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, give us a a review, a comment as well, even if it's as simple as I like Mikhail's accent um, or Mikhail is a wanker. (laughs) Either one of those. Those will suffice for our podcast. Uh, Mikhail, what ends up being the final card for you as we head in? pre-qualifying here to the Saudi Arabian Grand
0: Prix?
2: I honestly like the qualifying bet for Ferrari to be the winning car for qualifying plus 165. Uh, Again, Pierre Gasly or Espan Ocon at plus 650. That one is, uh, I'm going to come down to a a time course on on that one, unfortunately. And uh, I, I just love the way those two look. And I know we want to be able to get something else, but looking at fastest qualified just to sort of protect myself where I don't think Ferrari can do it I'm going to look at Max Verstappen as well I know that's like shooting myself in the foot Look, I'm looking at it I'm not betting that my bet is still Ferrari to be uh, the qualifying winning car but I'm look also looking at Max Verstappen because well it's Red Bull it's Max Verstappen you never know but I still do believe that Charles can actually get that car on pole
3: okay those are the bets for this week so you so you're not ready to fire on Williams yet you want to see a little bit more uh, after a very good week one i know you were hot hot on so- them after last week
2: Williams are, are still good and yes you could look at them for a top 10 finish because the Williams car does really well with the low drag aerodynamic setting right which mm-hmm. is what Jeddah is.
3: Albon but plus just, 250 by the way just to make it into the points uh, this week Yes, yeah, for so, those who are wondering
2: there are other drivers who have sort of driven the car a bit more aggressively than the Williams drivers also again can't stress this enough stay away from Alpha Tori stay 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 away from Alfa Tori <laughs>
3: Listen to Mikhail. Stay away from Alpha Tori. I wasn't going to bet them, but I will now be definitely staying away. Um, so how we, will, uh, how we will process the next couple of weeks here on the show, we'll watch how it all plays out in Saudi Arabia in Jeddah this week. Race 2 of 23 for the 2023 Formula 1 season. Then we have another week off. We will come back, update the futures odds next week, see if there's anything more Mikhail is going to add into his portfolio, do our little race recap as well. And then we go to Australia, Australian Grand Prix, third race of the year, first weekend in April. Uh, so a very exciting stretch as we uh, get the season underway. Uh, Mikhail, you will also let the people know once we once we get past uh, qualifying, any of your additional bets again, check out Mikhail on his Twitter and Instagram feeds. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this week, man. Should be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, don't forget, also, we're available now. We have our own podcast feed, so we're available anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, You talk about Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you guys want it, we are there.
3: Uh, I am now that I'm finally caught up. Yes. I guess we get our own podcast feed now that I've caught up with drive to survive. So way to go, way to go me. Uh, and way to go, Mikhail. Uh Mikhail who does not sleep because he's always, he's always looking at data uh, from around the formula one world. All right. Going to be a fun race this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will catch you next week right here on the v formula one betting
0: podcast.